Hey everybody, welcome back to Realms and Nerds. This is part two of our Halloween special. I know now it is uh, post-Halloween uh, for this year. However, we were unable to get all of it into one episode, so we had to wait to get the rest of it up into another episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to the first part, I would definitely go back and listen to it. Now, before we get into the episode, just a few quick reminders. Don't forget to subscribe to get updated when we put out new episodes of the show. Also, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr. We also have a Facebook fan group. And if you make a post about the show on social media, don't forget to include the hashtag RealmsNerds, all one word, RealmsNerds. Also, don't forget to share the show with people you think would be interested in listening to it. It is both the easiest and the best way to grow our listener audience. Thank you once again to our friend Kyle for composing the main introductory theme to the show. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Thank you, listener, for taking the time to listen to our show. A special thank you to anybody that is listening or listened to our show while attending Grand Rapids Comic Con. Again, thank you all for listening so much. We really appreciate you all. Now let's go back in time into the distant past of Realms and Nerds with part two of our 2018 Halloween special. Previously on Realms and Nerds. Lawn Frontis walks on the scene as a rogue level 10. Driv, he is a level 10 druid. Zem. She's a ranger, level 10. So we're going to go way into the past here. The three of you all are from Wolfshold. Your father is the captain of the guard in Wolfshold. Several of the townsfolk have reported seeing ghosts. Before you guys left, your dad told you to go and check out Maddie's boarding house. You are possessed by the ghost. Thelma down. Hits the ground. As she does so, this ghost leaves her body. That was quite a bit of good fighting there, boys. Um, truce? How did you get here? I was summoned. A figure stops you, and this is uh, Governor Gill. It's gotten bad around here. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I don't know what the city can do. I don't know if we can hold out much longer against these threats without some kind of an intervention. I think that there are some dark forces at work. Just in time, there's more danger ahead. <laughs> Brace your mortal selves in as we continue our little tour into this dark and haunted realm where we will uncover a chilling secret in the dark 
downfall. you have just confronted this ghost, I guess? It wasn't really a fight, We kicked its ass. Well, I mean, technically you kicked Zem's ass. Yeah, Zem's the one who got her ass beat. We kicked Zem's ass. (laughs) And by we, I mean my my buddy, the minor air elemental, kicked Zem's ass. Okay. So you guys are now standing in the the hallway up here on the second floor. This uh, ghost has now departed. Driv has just healed Zem to get her back up off the ground, so what are you guys going to do now? Zem is going to take a look at that book she stored in her bag before that ghost fight. <laughs> the ghost reappears. Okay. Mon is going to go looking for the manager of the hotel. Okay. Driv is going to stand there. <laughs> Alright. Well, gang, looks like we got another mystery on our hands. I guess let's resolve the stuff upstairs first, so we'll start with Zem. Uh, as Drift stands motionless with his eyes sort of uh, glazed over and unfocused, just waiting for a command so that his automaton self can move again, um, Zem is going to examine this book. I guess uh, roll a, an investigation check. It's a critical fail. It's a Gideon Bible. <laughs> Alright, Driv is actually gonna um, investigate the different rooms that the Spectre appeared in, starting from the last room that he was in, back until the one that the old dude kicked the door in from. Okay. Just kind of see if there's just, any I guess just do, just do one investigation roll, I guess, and we'll just kind of resolve it like that. Okay. That's gonna be 21. So with a 21, as you go through this, these, uh, sequence of rooms, you notice that there's a lot of similarities between the rooms. All of them appear that the people staying there have not been in town very long. There is, like, one bag in each room, and they really have only just been, like, sort of opened up, but everything is still inside the bags, and it looks like these people have sort of just arrived. Other than that, there's... No, I mean, there's not really a whole lot in these rooms. Um, you know, it's just a standard kind of boarding room. You got a bed, a dresser, kind of like a wash basin in the corner. Except for in the second room, as you are uh, sort of searching around, you find underneath the edge of the bed, there is a uh, book with uh, some hand-drawn notes in it. Driv retrieves the book. Uh, when you open it up, all you can really, uh, tell on this is that there are, there's some kind of a, uh, an incantation spell that is being worked on in this book. Not really, I mean, it's not really anything you recognize or anything like that. It's 
but you kind of just from general knowledge can tell there's some sort of an incantation here. He's going to put the uh, journal inside of his bag to uh, study later and possibly like in his study. Okay. So let's jump to Lon. Um, Lon goes down to the first floor and um, I think as you come downstairs, it's not immediately apparent where the offices or anything like that would be. So you kind of go to, this is more of a boarding house than a hotel. So they don't have like a, like a concierge desk, but there's uh, like a table and there's a guy, he's wearing uh, a, uh, a long sleeve shirt. It's got golden buttons that go down the middle with kind of a high collar on it. Uh, and on the one side is the, the logo of the boarding house. And on the other side is his name. And it says Jeffrey. Is Jeffrey pretty clean cut or is he kind of sweaty? <laughs> oh. No, Je- Jeffrey Jeffrey looks pretty good. So he's clearly undisturbed by the fact that there's ghosts in this boarding house. Yeah, Jeffrey, uh, I think Jeffrey looks like, um, kind of like a thinner version of Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> like, so not, not so, uh, not so muscular, but that same kind of sort of rough cut look. He, 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 he looks like he's a pretty capable guy. Excuse me, sir. Do you happen to know if there's more ghosts about? Or if there's just that guy who has vacated the premises? Well, that would depend on you exactly telling me how many ghosts you've seen. Well, uh, my sister just happened to bug into one. Well, then, uh, then yeah, there's more ghosts on the premises, you could say. Oh, heavens to Megatroys. Mayhaps you could point me in the right direction? Well, I'd have to know what direction you want to go in to point you there. I don't suppose, uh, the exit would be proper. So, perhaps a room more haunted? I'm looking for the source of your problems here. Well, I can't, I can't rightly tell you that the source of this problem is in the, the hotel itself, these ghosts just kind of started floating in about a week or two ago. They, I can't tell if they're coming from inside the hotel, if they're coming from outside looking for a place to stay, you know, I mean. So they don't seem to have a presumable entry. They don't come through, like, the pantry or the bathhouse or a particular room number. Well, I mean, we've been seeing them quite a bit uh, up there in those rooms on the second floor. Second floor, huh? Yep, yep, they're up there on the second floor. How many levels are there to this hotel? Well, there, I mean, there's there's just the three, unless you count the basement, which I guess doesn't really count, because we don't have rooms down there. What it is actually in basement room? The storage? It's, you know, storage, and, uh, you know, we do some, uh, some laundry down there. I got a little bit of a gym set up, got to keep the, you know, keep up the, uh, the physique, you know. Oh, yes. I pump the irons very much. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't doubt that. I stick to the lighter weights, though. The heavy ones seem to be harder to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh... <laughs> Yeah, they tend to do that most of the time. 
So uh, I presume there is a lift or a lower, or do you only have stairs? I I, I mean we we pretty much stick to stairs around here. I I you know I mean it's not a not a construction site. Thank you, Jeffrey. Y- yeah, not a problem. You know if you uh if you want to know anything more about the ghost or whatever, you probably have to talk to Maddie herself. This is that's all about all I know about it. Um. Where might I find this Maddie? Well, she, uh... Hmm, and he kind of he leans back a little bit. Well, I saw her let, and she was... Uh... Well, best I can figure, I think she's probably gotta be, uh, down to her room at this point. She, like, she gets up early to make breakfast and whatnot, so she'd probably be turning in pretty soon. She's, uh, down here on the first floor. She's room, uh, 107 down there. Well, thank you very much, sir. I think I shall rejoin my siblings. All right, well, you, uh, you do that, and, uh, you know, let me, let me know. I'll just, I'll be here. Tadla. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) So as Lon gets to the top of the stairwell back up to the second floor where we are, Driv jumps out. <laughs> uh, Boom! Okay, do a uh, do an intimidation roll for me. All right, we'll see how scary you are. Oh, good lord! That's an eighteen. Okay, yeah, Lon is kind of scared actually. Ah! <laughs> Pardon me, I uh, didn't see you there. <laughs> Can't you stop fooling around already? We kind of need to figure out where these ghosts are coming from. We're working on it. Don't worry about Come it. Come on, Mr. Ghost Hunter. Let's go. He grabs his ghost net and is on the move. Except that he doesn't know where he's going <laughs> now, so he stops. So, uh, what are we doing anyway? Lon, do you have any information? It appears that most of these apparitions are coming from this second floor. There also happens to be a basement. That doesn't seem to be in a whole lot of use. There's a third floor, and the manager lives on the first floor. See, you might be able to catch her before she goes to bed. By the way, her name is Matt, if you didn't guess. Thank you. And Zem walks off to go talk to the manager. Okay. So where are you going? She's not sure yet. (laughs) (laughs) She walks back to Jeffrey to ask where the manager is. I was wondering where the manager is. I know she lives here on the first floor, but could you happen to point me in the right direction? Oh, you're gonna harass her too, huh? Well, I don't know anything about that. I don't harass people like my brothers do. I'm a little more subtle. I like this. Alright, well, you didn't hear about it from me. She's in room 107. I didn't hear anything from you. I got it. Thank you very much. And she goes to room 107. Okay. And, uh, I think probably 10 or 15 seconds later, the door is opened, and, uh, sitting before you is a human woman. She's probably, um, mid-30s, uh, a little bit on the taller side, dark brown hair. And she says, well, what do you want? It's getting late. Ma'am, are you aware that there are ghosts floating around your motel? No shit! (laughs) I do live here, after all, you know. Well... I'm trying to help get rid of them, so I don't need an attitude. I just need some... I don't need stupid questions at this hour of night. 
What do you want? I just want to know if you have any idea where they're coming from. Or anyone in town who might know. That's Lon, Lon comes traipsing behind and has is totally confused by the argument ensuing. Oh gosh, maybe I should have been with this conversation. Look, here's all I know. About seven or eight dudes showed up a day or two ago, and then that's when the problems start. They swear that they had nothing to do with the ghosts, and I can't pin anything on them, but, I, you know, that that's all I know. Well, thank you. That's very helpful. Do you have any idea where these guys are? Oh, I don't know. The last two nights when they've been here, they've been out till all manner of night. I hear them clomping in at five or six in the morning. That's helpful. Thank you. I whisper in her ear like a creepy sloth. Sister, perhaps you would like to inquire about which room numbers uh, they're staying in? Ma'am, before you go to bed, do you happen to know which room they were staying in? Or rooms? Oh, I don't... I don't know all which rooms they're in exactly. They're the... They're up on the second floor. They got about half the rooms up there. Thank you for your time, and good night. Well, good night. Rest well. Alright, Lon. My guess is we've already been through some of their rooms, considering we were on the second floor when we had our little mascapade with the ghost. So Driv is going to open up the journal and start inspecting it, kind of having it open in a way that they can inspect if they would like as well. Uh, yeah, I guess Zen's going to look over his shoulder and see if he can make heads or tails of it. Wants to do like a- also, we definitely aren't just standing at the front door. No, we're still walking. <laughs> Yeah, we're walking out of the room. Okay. So, so one, uh, one interesting thing, as you guys have walked out the door, as you're kind of, uh, sort of you walk down the porch and as you've just sort of reached the road, you hear one of the rocking chairs on the front porch creak a little bit. And as you turn and look, it is, um, in fact, the ghost that you uh, you just sort of battled with a minute ago, and he is uh, sitting on one of the rocking chairs and uh, smoking a spectral pipe. You! Hello, friend. You keep your distance. I don't need any more of that action. Had enough tonight as it is. Well, goodbye then. And he kind of just leans back a little bit and is just uh, smoking his pipe on this chair as he... Uh, kind of looks up at the night. I have another question for you. I might possibly have an answer. By chance, do you recognize this journal? Yes. Well, cool. So, what can you tell me about it? Well, it was in one of the rooms upstairs. Is that how you recognize it, or do you know more about it? I know more. Would you are, be willing are you willing to, to, to divulge us? that information for us? Well, I'm really not supposed to say, and a gentleman never reveals his secrets. Oh, but you didn't seem like a gentleman. Yeah, you seem like a dead guy. Once a gentleman, always a gentleman, even in death. Fair enough. Alright. I believe you were leaving? Yeah, but one last question. You said the last one was the last question. It's it's kind of one of those things where I tack on... Another one at the end, and then another one at the end. Oh, go on. So, uh, what can you tell me about this more than just you recognize it and that it was in the room? Any any clues or anything to help us? You don't want to have it in your possession, I can tell you that. 
Why not? You've read it, haven't you? I mean, yeah, we're it's an unfinished journal on something or other. <laughs> well, if you've read it and still think that hanging on to it is a good idea, then... Well, you're dumber than I thought. You're slipping through the book again. <laughs> ten out of ten. In, in, in the meantime, Zem pulls out the book she had. She's like, do you know anything about this book? I have only Is one this question. as dangerous to be holding on to? <laughs> I have only one question. <laughs> do you know how to repair these lockpicks? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not a lockpick repairman. In life, I was something of a high-class gambler. I don't really know much about the breaking and entering. I never had any need for it. Thank you. I'm rolling in dough! He, he actually reaches into his pocket and uh, pulls out a large handful of golden coins and just kind of, like, throws them up in the air. Are they, Are they actual coins? Are they <laughs> actual coins? That's what I'm getting at. Are they actual gold coins, or are they kind of like a visage of gold coins? They are spectral when he throws them in the air, but then when they hit the ports, they actually turn into real coins and roll around. Zem starts grabbing his mage again. I don't think they're actually real. So Zem, Zem walks up there to start taking gold coins off the board. I mean, free money. Come on. It's his money! <laughs> so he, he actually, uh, as you're kind of down on your hands and knees picking up these gold coins, he, he goes, What a cheapskate. So what did you know about her book? That she was asking about. He, he never went up to the porch. He's still shouting okay. what they were. Oh, that book? It's a Gideon Bible. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's a, uh, a history tome, actually. A history of what? I mean, if you expect me to answer all of your questions, then there'll be no need for you to even do dice rolls, and that's not very <laughs> D&D of me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I'm done with questions. <laughs> so Zem, Zem wants to get moving. Okay, Zem has picked up 20 gold coins also. Oh, cool. You guys are done examining these stuff, these tomes and whatever. For now, yes. Okay, so, um, yeah, what are you guys doing? So, which way would you say that you came from, Sir Ghost? Not when you die, but more so when you appear. Again. And because he's leaning back in this chair, he kind of sort of lazily just points his hand kind of up and behind him, sort of facing towards the building of, well, from up there. So as you guys are standing on the street questioning this ghost, near, because like I said before, this boarding house is near the entrance to the city, you glimpse a uh, sort of a movement by the entrance to the city and as you turn and look, you see several uh, figures in dark robes sort of slipping out of the city. Guys, I think they might have something to do with this. She did say there was six or seven of them. That looks like six or seven to me. I cast invisibility, and I approach these figures. Okay. So after one finishes casting invisibility on himself, uh, Driv is going to cast... Pass without trace on the party. Nice. Okay. A veil of shadows and silence radiates from you, masking you and your companions from detection. 
For the duration, which is concentration up to an hour, each creature you choose within 30 feet of you, including you, has a plus 10 bonus to stealth checks and cannot be tracked except by magical means. A creature that receives this bonus leaves behind no tracks or other traces of its passage. So, uh, Lawn is invisible, and then the three of you have uh, passed without trace now on you. This uh, this group of people is, like, just leaving right now. And uh, so as they go out the entrance to the city, I assume that you are going to follow them? Yep. Yep. Keep on yes. your tails. Okay, so uh, as you guys are hurrying along to catch up with this uh, group of people that have just left... Stealthily. Stealthily hurrying. As you turn the corner... You, uh, actually, all three run smack dab into your father. Drew, Zim, what are you doing here? Dad, shut the fuck up. What are you okay. doing here? What, what do you mean? What? Are, I'm the captain of the guard. I'm, Dad, I'm heading up the patrol Dad, duty tonight. Dad, for once in your fucking life, could you please use a much lower tone than your, your, like, you know, the inside, you actually, you know, whispering? Take your whispering. Shut up, Driv. <laughs> what is going on? Yes, sir. We were just we're tracking these dudes. These people who are responsible for the ghosts and everything. Well, going on. that's we allegedly. We, yeah. And uh, wh- where, where did they go? We don't know because we, you stopped us. Wait, have you have you seen the ghosts? Oh yeah, we, we just uh, left one. He was sitting on the porch. I had pretty close encounter with one myself. One of them possessed was Zen. Long, long. Where are you? I'm currently invisible. Ah, you and your magic. Alright, so you think that these men are involved with something? Yes. Okay, where did they go? Out the door and down the path. Okay, that's all I need. For what? Well, let's get after them, I guess. Oh, sweet. I mean, mean, I'm in charge of security of this city. If if there's a problem here, I I gotta help her out with it. He's within 30 feet, so what? You only to choose him as you cast a spell. Oh, no! Father, get good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Dad, don't suck so much at stealth checks. Dad, what's your uh, stealth? What's your next Trust me, son. I've been good since long before you were born. All right. Well, let's go. Okay, so you you head out through the entrance to the city, and... um, they just up in the distance, you can make out this group of dark figures. They have um, maybe like two small lanterns between the group as they kind of start to walk out into the distance. We hurry up. And we how many of them are there? Go ahead and do a uh, perception check. I'm gonna do one as well, just in case. Six, seventeen. There's a, a numerical amount. Here, let me let me let me throw down on this. That is going to be 27. Okay, so you can tell um, there are, (laughs) in total, there are nine of these people that are uh, walking along. They're all wearing black robes. Like I said, there's about two lights between them. The person in the front of the sort of group of people is holding uh, one of the lanterns, and as you are kind of looking to see if you can tell, you know, how many there are, this person actually turns to address somebody else in his party, and you catch a brief glimpse of the side of their face, and it is Governor Gill. Guys, that 
guy in the middle. There's not, there's nine of them. And the guy in the middle is Governor Gill. Are you sure? I'm positive. Only fools are positive, but I mean, you're, I guess you're a fool, so. I'm certain. Alright. Well then, what's harder than me? Let's keep going. Yeah, we're trucking along. Stealthily. So you guys, yeah, so we're still going. Are not trucking, but trying to keep up a good pace. I think that you are. Only um, dad's leaving footprints. <laughs> Yeah. Also, the, the lack of surprise Let's from see. father of the governor fucking being in this troop. Like, yeah, I mean, guy does free <laughs> Another day, shit. another governor doing dastardly deeds, huh? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I, okay. I was listening to you guys riff. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> you're your boss is leading the cult. Goes, what? The governor? What? What do you mean? I mean, the, there's got to be an explanation for this. That he couldn't be involved in something underhanded. I mean, it's it's him, and I mean, he could. He, he's a he's been the governor here for twenty years. There's no way. Dad, where there's a will, there's a way. Dad, wherever politics are involved, there's always a bad guy, and it's usually spare me your semantics. I don't need your. <laughs> I don't need this right now. This isn't politics. This is real life. Daddy, uh, actually had rolled a 26 on stealth. Dab on him, Dad. So, he's he, fading into that shadow. So, he, so, yeah, so he is actually, <laughs> even though he, uh, he does not have the spell on him and he's not invisible like Lon, he, uh, is still almost matching you for a level of, uh, sort of untraceableness. He's blending into the shadows. He's, Making sure he doesn't step on any loud twigs. He is definitely like stealthing it through this forest right now. Damn, Dad. So Dad, yeah, Dad is uh, stealthing it out. Uh, so you guys are just making your way along this trail, um, staying just kind of in that sort of edge where you can see them up ahead, but you are not uh, close enough that they can really detect your presence. I think just because. You want to be sort of extra careful. You're even though you have this spell on, you're kind of just still sort of keeping your distance. So it's been um, quite a bit of time. You're, that spell only lasts what an hour, right? Yes. Okay. So it's actually been over an hour at this point. So your guys' spells have ended. I'm actually because you were using the magical means before. I'm going to give all of you advantage on your stealth roll. Good, because I just rolled a two. So 20, 18, 17. You guys are still stealthy enough to stay undetected, but now at this point, Dad is uh, actually showing you up a little bit. He's just kind of gliding through the forest like a specter. He's doing that deal. thing like in the anime where they like he jumps up and he's like doing the like jumping off the tree sides. Yeah, he's definitely quite experienced. And I should mention, he's also wearing, like, a full set of guards' armor, too. Oh, no, for sure, because so he's on duty. Yeah, so he's, like, stealthing it with armor on, showing his kids that he's still got a thing or two to show them about. So you, uh, yeah, you follow this group for, um, actually, a couple hours, actually. This path has sort of led you to a little bit of a clearing, and there is a uh, a large house that is built in the center of this clearing. Probably, I mean, it's only, it's a lower house, probably only two stories, but it's fairly long. Kind of built sort of on a rise in the, uh, 
in the ground, um, so it sort of is the dominant building in this clearing here. So they have entered the building. Um, after a couple moments, you see some lamps and what whatnot come on inside the building. So are you guys going to approach the building, or what are you doing here? Father, you have a lot of experience in scouting, and you know, pretty much are showing us up anyway. Well, what do you, how do you think is the best way that we should go about this? What should we do? I think we ought to stay low to the ground and get up close to the building, see if we can look in through the windows or something. Maybe, uh, you know, get a sense of what they're doing in there. I don't want to just charge in and start making accusations without knowing what we're stepping into. I still, I, I still have a hard time believing that the governor would be tied up in something crazy like this, but I just, I don't know. I mean, okay, so he was definitely among them. I, I can confirm that, Father. I'm right, but I, I just, I have a hard time believing he's involved in something that would be underhanded. I, I want to get a sense of what they're doing in there before I really just go in and start throwing accusations around. Oh, yeah, I mean, we don't really know what they're doing anyway. Sam is actually going to cast Silence. For the duration, no sound can be created within or pass through a 20-foot radius sphere centered on a point you choose within range. Any creature object entirely inside the sphere is immune to thunder damage, and creatures are deafened while entirely inside it. Casting a spell that includes a verbal component is impossible there, and she's only casting this for the purpose of uh, sneaking up to the house without keeping sound. And she's going to center the um, point on herself. Okay. Of course, we also can't hear anything. How, how long does that last for? Uh, until I either dispel it or up to ten minutes. And what's the radius on that? The range for choosing an object that centers on is 120 feet. The radius is 20 feet. Okay. So you have cast this now on your se- on you and uh, your party are now uh, deafened and can't hear anything. So uh, what are you doing now? Seeking up to the house, I suppose, staying low like that. So. Drift tries to cast a spell, but upon realizing he can't because he can't fucking <laughs> say anything, turns to his sister and flips her off. Yeah, but uh, Zen is already uh, creeping up towards the house. So uh, where where are you going specifically? Uh, toward one of the windows where the lights got turned on. Okay. So I guess, actually, Driv is going to lag behind a little bit, uh, and Driv is going to cast Detect Magic. Alright, so as you cast that, you can sense some magic coming off of Zem. Yeah. Driv, after casting that, oh, yeah. is going to catch up within the bubble sphere thing, I guess. Okay, so you kind of hurry up to catch up with them. So, uh, the four of you um, are all moving towards the house fairly uh, st- at a fairly steady pace, trying to keep low so that nobody inside can see you. So then, two things happen fairly quickly. The first is when you get to be 30 feet away from the house, and then as you're getting closer, Driv, this spell, this detect magic spell, is, it's kicking in a big way. This house is glowing. Like, it's radiating out the windows, it's coming from underneath the door, like, magic is detected. What's the school of magic? So you're actually getting a lot of different magic from this. You are getting conjuration, divination, enchantment, evocation, illusion, and transmutation. Okay, so <laughs> Driv, Driv is going to motion to everybody to pause. Do you all see him mo- motioning? Sure. Oh, he makes no. sure of it. No. 
I do not see him. Okay, so Lon keeps going then. Zem will stop. Because she sees him. Well, I could care less about Zem. She's the problem right now. Go fuck yourself. So he's going to... If, if wait. he tries to get in front of me, I, he, I literally do that kind of like a wave. He's, yeah, he's when he's okay. doing that, Driv grabs him and his father by the arm and pulls them out of the sphere to whisper to them. Okay. He, he relays the information of all the enchantments that he can feel upon the house. Dieter says, uh, so you don't think we should approach the house then? I just think we need to be even more cautious. Whether or not we approach the house, I I don't know. There's just so many schools of magic. I'm worried that the house could fall. So there there could be traps inside. We could lose ourselves in there. Like there's a lot of dark magic about this. There, all all these ghosts coming back. The half dead troll. So did you just make Zem stay put so you could move out of the circle, or yeah, because okay. otherwise I couldn't relay the information. After he relays in she goes back into the sphere, points at the house, and gives a big little thumbs down. Okay. Zem mouths to herself, nothing ventured, nothing gained, and starts heading back to the door. Okay. And, uh, so, where, are you going up to, like, one of the windows, or what are you doing? Zem's gonna go up to one of the darkened-out windows, kind of away from the lights, to see if she might be able to sneak into the window. So you're going down to, like, the other end of the yeah, house? Yeah, other end of the house. Okay. You still have your spell on, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. Dead silent. This uh, house is not particularly secure, and I think you kind of wiggle the window, and it is sort of latched, but you get the sense that you could probably fairly easily pop it open. Alright, I pop it open. Okay, uh, do a, um, I guess do a sleight of hand check on that, just okay. to see if you can do the requisite move to get it open. Fourteen. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's not a very well-secured window. I think a fourteen is enough to pop the latch on this window, and... Basically, just takes kind of a hard shake to get the latch to pop free, and then you uh, you open the door. But because of your spell, obviously the uh, the latch doesn't make any noise. Oh, she's gonna climb into the window. Okay. Uh, what's everybody else doing here? I'm following them through the window. I take it that uh, dear old Daddyo is also going with them. Uh, no, Dieter is actually standing outside. What's with all this sneaking around? I- I'm going to go up there and have a look. And he actually heads towards where the front door is to try and look through one of the windows over there. Okay, I'll stick with them. Okay. So, um, Zem and uh, Lon, you are kind of in the far end of the house. You're encased in your cone of silence still. You can't hear anything. Driv and uh, Dieter creep up towards the window, and uh, as you peek in, what you see is a uh, fairly Spartan-looking room there's a small table in the corner with just a couple of uh, chairs around it and, uh, like, a fireplace with maybe a little cook stove on it. But other than that, this room is bare. It's just got a wooden floor. In the center of the room is arrayed this big circle with all these intricate runes drawn within it. And seated around the circle, equidistant from each other, are six of the party members that you saw walking in front of you, and they are all um, seated facing the center of the circle with their arms outstretched above them, and um, they are chanting something. And as they are doing so, a shadowy figure is beginning to take shape in the center of this circle. Jesus, I've had enough of this. I'm going in to talk to them. I don't... 
That's the big shadowy figure. He he grabs you by the uh, by the front <laughs> of your shirt and looks you in the eye and he goes, "I'll handle this. Stay here." And he kind of like throws you back a, a couple of paces and he strides forward and throws open the door to the house and marches in. Dad, what's going on here? As you look through the window, the six that are seated on the floor don't seem to be doing much of anything. The others that are standing around them turn and uh, look at Dieter as he's just come in, and one of them is uh, Governor Gill. Oh, Captain, uh, what are you doing here? What's going on? What are you doing out here? Look, you don't understand. This is for the good of the, the city. We, we've been assaulted by these dark forces. I need to find a way to repel them. Look, this is... There's no way to handle it. What are you doing out here? Look, Dieter, I've consulted with several of these highly trained magicians here, and he points his hand around the room, and they've... They've advised me that the only way to deal with the evil around us is to bring in something as powerful as the evil itself to combat it. Dieter, we are... Dieter, we're raising a lich. Driv, as you, as you look on, your, your father stares the governor dead in the eye and just yells at him, Gilliard, what have you done? And with that, one of the magicians that's standing next to the governor withdraws a wand from his sleeve and points it at your father, and a massive bolt of energy flies out, striking him in the chest and blowing him against the wall where he slumps motionless. At this point, Zem and Juan have been making their way through the house, and uh, just as this moment has happened, the governor goes, What? What? Why did you do that? And suddenly his voice freezes as uh, Zem's cone of silence reaches this room. Not only does he stop talking, but the six that are seated in the circle suddenly are unable to continue their evocation, and uh, the spectral form in the center of the circle starts to dissipate. At this point, then, they, they sort of look up in a, a sort of stunned, and they look around, and one of them waves his hand and uh, points down to the floor, at which point the members of this group run to uh, the side of the room where they throw open a trap door and start to go down the staircase. Are we entering this room yet? You're in the next room over. You were close enough that your 20 feet of silence uh, entered this room. I... So did all of them... Enter down into the trap. They're they're in the they're most of the way down. All right. As they finish going down there, Driv is gonna fling the door open and go to his father. As you are doing that, the last wizard is actually on the ladder coming down, and as you uh, are entering the room, he uh, stretches out his hand and sort of waves it across the entire room, and as he does so, this room just starts to turn into a hellscape. There's a, sort of this crackling of the air, and then suddenly you, like, not even hear because of the cone of silence, but you just feel the strike of lightning as it just slams outside somewhere very close to you, and you can see the flash outside as it illuminates the area. 
but then uh, you start to notice some smoke that is curling around the outside of the house. All right, he's, he, he went to go to his father. Okay, so you've run over to your father. Um, he is unconscious or very close, and um, you, uh, but you can detect that he is still kind of faintly breathing here. I would like to cast. Well, I can't do that one. Because, uh, damn it! He gets up, or he uh, gets up from his father, goes over towards where. He's fairly certain his siblings are. I guess, are they, like, in the next room over, right? Yeah, they're still in the next room. All right, he's going to open the door, flip off his sister, and then motion to cancel the stupid spell. Sam cancels At the net. Aren't you dumbass? I gotta go cure Dad now that I can speak. All right, and then he closes the door and goes back and casts. Um, While he's doing that, Zem opens the door to see what the fuck's going on. Okay. Well, I can, uh... I'm still looking up anyway, so... Okay. There, There's no need. Uh, as you return to your father, um, he has died. Driv slumps over his father's body and weeps. Okay. The smoke that you noticed before is now much more noticeable, and you can hear the crackling of flames, uh, as, uh, you, the outside of the house now starts to catch fire. True. You! It's all your fault! If it wasn't for your stupid spell, Father would still be alive! I could have saved him! He goes over to Zem and he punches her in the face. <laughs> okay. Make it Uh, yeah, I guess make an attack roll. Alright. Whatever I get. That's a two. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you swear. I think you actually even. You do connect, but it's just like. You just have no energy for this right now. You just swing and it's <sighs> kind of like glances off of her. Almost she doesn't even feel it. In the emotional distress from the punch, he kind of goes into weeping, clutching her close, hugging her. And uh, the outside walls of the building have started to be fully engulfed in flames at this point. Lon grabs his father's corpse and starts dragging him towards the door. Okay. Uh, Do a strength check for me. Uh, you don't get him very far. Zem would like to assist. Okay, Zem comes over to help. That's a 19. Yeah, between the two of you, you are able to drag him out the door. Uh, Driv, are you going along as well, or are you staying inside the house? Yeah, he goes He goes with them. I mean, it's their father. Okay. So now, the uh, as you get outside, the house is fully on fire. Uh, you can tell that the impact of the lightning hit mostly on the large tree that is right next to the house. It is blackened and burned, sort of twisting. It looks like it almost like it caught fire as sort of the conduit for the electricity that sparked through and lit the house on fire. Uh, and the house is fully engulfed. So... He's going to conjure an elemental. Okay, what are you conjuring? A fire elemental. There's a blazing bonfire of a house in front of you, and uh, I think that uh, Driv stretches out his arms and invokes this spell, and it almost appears that part of the fire detaches itself from the house and spins towards him. Almost so close that it looks like Driv is engulfed as he outstretches his arms towards this fully-fledged fire elemental 
it looks almost like a fire tornado, but the top half has a humanoid form with these rough arms and a malevolent face sort of peering out of the top of it. Just as you have conjured this elemental before your brother and your sister really have a full chance to get a sense of what you've just summoned, the house, the center of it, appears to explode. Wood splinters fly all over the place. Uh, I actually need uh, all of you to make a dexterity save throw. That's a nine. Sixteen. Unnatural twenty. So as these splinters fly out, Driv, you are going to take uh, five points of piercing okay. damage. And wisdom saving throw. That's a nine. So uh, just as soon as it was summoned... This uh, elemental standing in front of you is dispelled almost like a monsoon wind just blew it away. It is just like, you actually almost see the face inside turn from this evil malevolence to almost fear as it gets just like swept away from you. And out of the uh, splinters of this house that has just exploded, a massive shape appears sort of in a kind of a flying jump. It lands in front of you and you see a creature um, with a body fairly humanoid but covered in fur with these long clawed hands and a face that comes down with these sharp fangs and two long tusks coming out of it. And uh a pair of small wings almost appearing to be too small to support the weight of the massive body in front of you sprout out from its back. It lands in front of you and lets out this unearthly roar. And uh, we're going to need to roll some initiative here, boys. 11, 13, 20. Now I think you uh, adventurers are a load of shit. I'm going to be up on you now. My name is Balak Aldlin. <laughs> okay, so this uh, this pit abomination, whose name is Balak Aldwin, <laughs> uh, he roars at you and uh, prepares himself for battle. Uh, Zem is actually going to be up first here in the order. Uh, she's going to cast um, Conjure Animals. Okay. You summon face spirits that take the form of beasts and appear in unoccupied spaces that you can see within range. Choose one of the following options for what appears. I'm choosing eight beasts of challenge rating one-fourth or lower, and all of them are going to be wolves. Okay. Each beast is also considered fey, and it disappears when it drops zero hit points or when the spell ends. This is a concentration spell for up to an hour. They're friendly to me and my companions. I roll initiative for them as a group. They all act as a group. They obey any verbal commands I give to them. No action required by me. I can just yell it, and on their next turn they'll do it. And if I don't give them commands, they defend themselves from hostile creatures or take no actions whatsoever. And I'm going to roll their initiative right now. 21. Okay. They'll go before me next round. And that is my action. I'm going to move 30 feet away from this dude, and I'm going to yell at them. Attack! So, uh, the creature is up next. Uh, Balak Oldman, I believe we call them. So Balak Aldwin is up now, (laughs) and he is going to use Horror Nimbus 
And so I need everybody to make a uh, wisdom saving throw. Six. Great. Nat 20 plus 4, 24. <laughs> okay. How are you the wisest of us all? I don't understand this logic. Okay, so Zem and Juan are frightened as a multicolored light emanates from uh, the creature's outstretched hand. They are now frightened for one minute. At this point, um, on your turn, you can repeat the wisdom saving throw at the end of your turn, ending the effect uh, of the creature on a success. If you are successful... Or if the effect ends it, the creature is immune to horror nimbus for the next 24 hours. At which point now the creature is going to jump forward and try to take a bite at Driv. 22. Yep. That is 41 points of piercing damage. As his jaw just, like, clamps down onto you. Okay. Uh, then he is going to uh, detach from Driv and take a swipe at Vaughn with one of his claws. Uh, that's 29. Uh, and he's going to hit Lawn with 13 points of damage. Uh, and then he's gonna make another attack with his, uh, with his claws here against Lawn again. Um, and that's gonna be a 22. That'll also hit. Uh, that's gonna be 15 points of damage as the other claw rakes across you here. Uh, Driv, you are up now. So Driv is going to reach out to Lawn and cast Cure Wounds on him. So that is 12 points of health. From there, he is going to also overkick the premises back towards where Zen is. Okay. You give Juan a quick tap on the shoulder, and then you uh, you run back to where uh, Zen is. And uh, Juan is up next. Juan draws a rapier and a short sword, and despite his better instincts... Makes a dash at Bollock Altman. Okay. 16? Uh, that's not gonna hit him. 22. That will hit him. That's, uh, 9 points of damage. Alright, the wolves are up next here. They're all going to attack him as a group. Do the wolves have an attack modifier? They do. What's their attack modifier? Plus 4. Okay. So... Then, just to go straight up and down here and make it a little bit easier. So, 14 or higher is going to hit. Just roll 8 times. And just see where they all have advantage because of pack tactics. So, let's do it this way. We'll roll, um, if you hit above a 14, we'll just call it a hit. If you don't, we'll let you re-roll for that one. Uh, 13. That does not hit. So, re-roll. 18. That one does hit. Next one. 15. Good. 
18. Yep. 14. Mm-hmm. Yep. Last but not least. 8. Eleven. Nope. Oh, one wolf. Seven, seven on it. Wow. Okay. I rolled two d four plus two for each guy. So I'm just, just roll. Just roll your damage, and I'm just gonna multiply it by seven. Okay. So I mean, as it is, we're spending a ton of time with the. Make sure that, rolls we might then we have to add fourteen to that because it's two for every guy that hits. Twenty-eight damage. So two times the seven is fourteen, and then you get plus two for all of them to that. So it's an R fourteen, so it's twenty-eight damage. So this flurry of wolves all attacks this creature, and uh, they uh, they get a couple of good bites in, but it doesn't really seem like it's done a whole lot of damage on it. Uh, Zem, you were up. I guess I'm just gonna move away again. There are thirty feet, so I'm sixty feet away. She's going to pull out her longbow and make an attack at Unfortunate with disadvantage. Nat 20 for my first roll. And 18 for my second roll. Yeah, so that's still going to hit. Oh, really? Cool. So, six piercing damage. And then, uh, you oh. you to make a, uh, a saving throw. A listen saving throw. Seven. I'm still scared! Okay, you, yeah, you were still afraid. So Balagaldwin is up now. Yeah, so Vaughn, I think, is the only <laughs> one still next to this dude. So, yeah, so he's going to go after Lon. The first one is a 16. 16 hits. So he jumps forward and bites down on your the top of your shoulder, and that's 26 points of damage. <laughs> As he rips into you, and then he's uh, he's he's gonna come back at you again with uh, one of his claws here, and that is a thirteen. Thirteen don't hit. So he swings and he whiffs with one claw, and he's gonna come back again with the second claw, uh, and that's a twenty-six. I mean, yeah. Ouch. Uh, yeah, that's fifteen points of damage. I'm unconscious. Uh, Driv is up. So Driv is going to go up to Juan and use Pure on him. Okay. He's going to cast it as a third level spell. He is healed for 19 points of health. And I guess that ends my turn. Juan, you are on deck. And now up to the plate. Juan draws his rapier and short sword and without hesitation makes a dash at this. You can't. You're frightened. You cannot move towards him. That, you can only move away. Or, that is true. And Did if you, you move away, you can't move forward again. So he uh, desperately swings his rapier and short sword. Okay. Twelve. Nope. Twenty-seven. That hits. Law needs to make a wisdom saving throw. Fifteen. Wait, wisdom. Saving throw. <laughs> negative ten wisdom. Fourteen. <laughs> Wait, what? He's got negative one to wisdom. Okay, you actually do not save. Oh, so close and yet so far. The save is actually fifteen. Fuck! <laughs> if you so feel any better, I roll a seven. Uh, I'm more man. scared than you. No, are. that's worse. No, that's worse just because yeah. he missed it. I mean, he would have had that's it without so the, the negative one. 
So, next up are the wolves again. They're all going for it again. Here we go. Red Rocket. Three. Nat 20. That one hits. Sweet. That's a double. Two. Eight. Nope. Seven. Thirteen. Nope. Critical fail. Critical six. Nope. That's where we want to go. Six. Nope. Nineteen. That hit. Nine. Nope. Six. So I get to do my D8 times three. I missed that. I was okay, so five times three is fifteen, 15. and then two times three is six. So twenty-one foot damage. Yeah, twenty-one foot damage. So these uh, these wolves uh, come at the creature again, and uh, Balak is uh, ready for them this time. He swats several of them away. A couple of them get good bites in, but he still looks very steady on his feet. And Zam is up. Zem is going to move another 30 feet away, so she's 90 feet from this douchebag. Pull out her longbow again, and take another shot. 14. Four, so your shot goes uh, wide to the right. Damn. Balak is up next. So. Oh, I didn't make my wisdom saving throw. Yeah, you probably should do that. Yeah, I'd like to do that. A nine. You coward! Balak is going to cast uh, Horror Nimbus again. Each creature within 15 feet needs to make a wisdom saving throw. So that's going to be Driv and... The wolves. Just roll once for the wolves. Well, there's a, there's a good part of this. If they do become frightened, it just cancels out with their normal advantage. It's a critical fail. Hey, roll. Hey. Okay, that's not going to do it. So uh, Balak uh, is going to go again. He is going to take a bite at uh, Driv now. 19. Your boy is going to get a chomped. That's uh, 44 points of piercing damage. Yeah, I was chuckling because I was envisioning him biting down and then whipping around my unconscious body. He is just gonna, like, clamp down, like, right into the center of your chest and takes a huge chunk out. Well, uh, So you're gonna fall unconscious there as uh, he just rips this chunk out and you drop to the ground. After this bite attack uh, that just, like, drops you to the ground, he's actually going to uh, just, like, sort of rear back and roar as he just, like, sprays your blood all over the place. And uh, that's actually going to be the end of his turn. It's pretty metal. <laughs> uh, Driv is up. So saving throw. You're yeah. going to make a saving it's throw. It's a saving so, but, throw. All right. Time to die. That's you a have 20. twenty. He's alive. <laughs> okay. With a big old gasp and a fuck you to death. <laughs> Driv okay. is back. So I think... So I think actually what happens here, Driv uh, is laying on the ground and as unconsciousness starts to slip over you, you actually kind of pass your hand over your chest and uh, give yourself just like the slightest little jolt of magical healing. It heals this wound just enough to keep you from slipping into unconsciousness, and you are now one hit point. 
Lon, you are up now. Wait. Before he does that, do I still have to make a wisdom saving throw for Frightened, or because I was knocked unconscious, is that not valid anymore? You know what? I'm gonna say that when you, when you got knocked down, the, uh, the effect of the Frightened actually, uh, was negated from that. Yeah, so fine. you are, so you are no longer Frightened. I still Frightenedly swing both of my swords. Okay. That's 24. Wait, disadvantage, right? Yeah, you have disadvantage on this. That's time. That will not hit. That's 19. That will hit. Chaboy is at it again. For 7 points of damage. And wisdom saving throw! God, we are the unwisest of them all. He is still afraid. Uh, next up is the wolves. They're afraid to obviously attack. First one's 15. Yep. So that's 11, that's not going to So that's a no. 16. Yep. 9, that's not going to do shit. 3, that's not going to do shit. I miss Paige. 16. Yep. 18. Yep. Hit a 9. Nope. So 4 hit. Yep, 4 will hit. 12 damage. Okay. And I need to make a wisdom saving throw for them. Yep. As a group! That's a 7. Okay, so next up is uh, Zem. Not being scared, you're creatures of the night. Zem is uh, going to stay 90 feet away and take another shot with a longbow. Okay. That's 16. Well, I guess rolling disadvantages. So, uh, Negligible because you're not going to get it. So yeah. that does not hit. Balak Oldman is up next. So the two of you are both right next to him, right? Yep. You're on the ground. So unfortunately, that means that the only person in range of Balak's attack is uh, Lawn. Yeah, you're. Balak Oldman is going to uh, oh. take a bite attack. Your you're no flight action is really going to fuck into your day. Well. There's one slim sliver of hope. So as Balak uh, steps forward to make this bite attack at you, he uh, actually trips and uh, falls towards you, bearing down at you, but like is falling and not able to control himself. So, uh, Lon, you're actually going to have a chance to try and stab him here. I yes. shall seize that opportunity. Can we please make a canon that uh, my body in front of him on the ground is will cause him to trip? Yes, I think Balak actually uh, <laughs> did trip over Drift's body. Yo. Uh, so he is falling towards Lawn, uh, but you have a chance to stab him here. With one or two attacks. Uh, this is going to be with your uh, short sword. He's tripping, but he was moving quickly, so this is like a sort of a reaction attack. So you, I think, just have time to get your short sword in the way. That 20. Really? Okay. So, on top of that, because he was sort of defenseless here, I was already going to give you a double damage on it. So this is actually going to be a quadruple damage. Do I roll four times then? Uh, yeah. Just roll once and multiply it by four. Boy! Oh, boy, boy. There you go. Give me some. Okay, yeah. so we're talking about 28 points of damage. Do an athletics check here. Two. 
<laughs> yeah, so as uh, as Balak Aldwin falls forward here, you are able to sort of bring your sword around and um, point it in front of him as he falls, and he slams down on top of the sword, but he is now on top of you, um, so you are pinned underneath him. Uh, so Driv is up next. Driv going to get up, surveys the battlefield. Else. Oh. Oh, fuck. He's down. Uh, and then he's going to attack him with my scimitar. Okay. That's nine versus AC. Okay, so that's not going to hit. So I guess now he's going to back away 15 feet. Okay. Because that's as far as he can get away. And chaos. Can I cast Healing Word on myself? The range is 60 feet, and it says that you creature that in your, of your choice you can see. I mean, technically I, I can see myself. Yeah, I would say that you can see yourself. I don't see why you can't. I don't know. Here's the thing, though. Can a blind magician use healing word? Oh. Food for thought. Anyways, he's going to cast it as a third level spell. Anyways, Balak is going to make you blind now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so as a third level spell, it's going to be 3d4 plus spellcasting ability modifier. I regain 12 points of health. Alright, so you regain 12 points of damage via lucky number 13. Yeah, and a nice. black cat slyly sneaks out from behind you. <laughs> Lon is up next. Lon, you are pinned underneath the massive weight of Balak Aldwin here. Twist the sword. Twist the sword. Do I have any sort of advantage on an attack? I'll give you two options here. If you want to try and be able to use both of your swords to attack, you need to do a strength check first to see if you can push him off of you. If you just want to attack with your short sword that is already stuck inside of him, you will have advantage on the attack to try and twist the sword around inside of him. I'm going to go with the short sword that's already inside of him, and I'm going to try to twist that around. Okay. 20. Okay, yeah, you are, you're gonna be able to hit him there. With seven points of damage. You have this massive weight that is laying on top of you. You are, you're pinned, you're almost unable to move, however, your sword hand that has your short sword in it is still buried inside of him. You have just enough room that you can kinda take this sword and twist it inside, and as you do so, you hear him roar above you as he takes seven more points of damage, and uh, this dark black blood just starts to pour out of the wound onto you. <laughs> um, and uh, he is definitely looking bloody, but he is still very much kicking and ready to go. Uh, the wolves are going to be up now. Alright. Twelve. That's not going to hit. Eleven. That's not going to hit. Critical fail. Uh, 16, that'll hit. Three, that's not gonna hit. Three, that's not gonna hit. Eighteen, that'll hit. And nine, that's not gonna hit. Two of the wolves hit here. Yep. That's ten points of damage. And I have a blue that's in Okay. And they got sixteen. They say they're wiser than they you have two. advantage again. All right, Zem is up now. All right, longbow. 
three disadvantages in America. That's not going to hit. So I'll go. Extra attack. Three. <laughs> She's whiffing with these arrows bad. So you fire two arrows. And even though, I think actually because uh, he's still slightly prone after falling on lawn, these arrows just whiz over the top of him. Go ahead and roll your uh, saving throw. Uh, 17. You are unfrightened. Thank So, next up is Valak Aldwin. He's going to get up, and he's actually going to go after the wolves this time. He's going to go after one of the wolves first with his bite. That is a 22. Yeah, that, that will hit. That's going to be 37 points of damage. Yeah, Wolf's alive. He can take a hit. No, so he actually bites into this wolf, done. and as he bites into this wolf, this wolf actually, uh, he separates the head from the rest of the body, and he bites down on the head and shakes it free of the body and then spits the head out. And it just dissipates back into the mist. And then, so he's going to go after another one of the wolves with his claws here. Uh, that's 18? Yeah. That's ten points of damage. Oh my god, this wolf is still alive. And then he's going to go after uh, the same wolf again with another claw attack. Uh, it's another eighteen. Yeah, I'm not going to bother waiting. This wolf is done. That's eleven points of damage. Yeah, it's it's done. Okay, so he takes out another another wolf. Driv is up. Drill is going to summon a flame blade at level four. Driv uh extends his right hand to the heavens, and as he does so, a column of flame extends from the sky, and as it does so, in his hand suddenly appears a flaming sword nearly three feet long with this long, flaming cross guard, and he spins it around and points it at Balak Aldwin. So he's going to take that in his scimitar and charge at the creature and attack with both. Okay. By the way, that was a flame blade. Okay. That's going to be 20... Yes. Okay. (laughs) We're not... I'm not fast enough for that. And then uh, for his scimitar... Yeah, that's not going to do it, actually. That's only a six. Okay. So the flame blade, though, is as at a fourth level, is going to be 46 fire damage. Thirteen points of fire damage. Uh, as you hit him with this flame sword, I think you actually, um, the way you, you kind of rake this across his chest, you actually cut one of his tusks off with this flaming sword, and he is looking worse for the wear here, but still on his feet at this point. Okay, and then he's going to use the remaining 15 feet that he had, since it only took 15 to get there, to back up again, away from it. Okay, Lon, you are up. Lon is uh, going to make an attack with... Does he still have disadvantage? Are you still frightened? Uh, I think yeah. you're still frightened at this point, so yeah. Okay. So then he attacks with both of his swords. Okay. 27? Yeah, so that's an 18. 
Uh, yeah, both of them are gonna hit, actually. Uh, he's still wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, that was the forgotten was just ran. 22! Both of them will hit. Okay. Lawn is getting shit done now. 21 points of damage. So you swing uh, both your swords forward and cut through this foe, and uh, he uh, he staggers back, and he is looking absolutely beat up. He's barely still on his feet here. Do you shake that? 12. You are still frightened and really unable to move closer towards him here. Uh, the wolves are up next. Okay. So you only have six of them now. Yep. Nope. Seventeen. Yep. Five. Nope. Fourteen. Yep. Seventeen. Yep. Nineteen. Yep. Four of them made it. So... 24 points of damage by the wolves. As this pile of wolves comes at uh, Balak, he is actually overcome and uh, succumbs to the attack of these wolves and uh, falls to the ground dead. As you guys have defeated this monster, before you really have much of a chance to really do anything, a white column of light just shoots out of the center of this crater in the middle of the building that this creature made when he jumped out. This column of light, initially, like I said, is white, but it quickly turns to black. And as it does so, the sky, even though it was night before, almost like the stars themselves are blotted out and everything around you turns to a pitch black inkiness. Then before you, out of the ground, raises up a figure. This figure is dressed in a black robe, wearing this intricately wrought silver crown that rests upon a sort of a spectral head. It turns and looks at you and gives you just sort of the most evil glare that you've ever seen as these hollow, dead eyes bore in your soul. The, the three of you are instantly frightened, but more so than the frightened that you felt from the spell of the creature that you just fought. This is a terror that seizes deep into, even like into your bones and you can't even move and he just glares at you for what feels like an eternity, and then suddenly, without a word, turns and floats away off into the distance, and you are frozen, unable to do anything as he moves farther and farther away into the distance. And so concludes the story of how Gileard Wolfclan, in a blind attempt to combat the evil surrounding his city, raised a lich. How he used the dark powers of evil in an attempt to do something good for his city, not understanding the consequences, 
and suffered a terrible, terrible fate upon the world. And this is how our adventurers of the current age now are faced with this evil again. They must combat the same evil that was raised so long ago and again face the terror of Orna. Welcome back, dear listeners. We've come to the end of our tour. There's more dark and haunted stories to be told in these realms, but I'm afraid those will have to wait until another time. We shall be spooking you later. <laughs> Until next Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>